the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The El Conservador Radio Show is sponsored by the Federation for American Immigration Reform and George Rodriguez on 930 AM, The Answer. Time for the El Conservador Radio Show with George Rodriguez. George is a constitutional conservative who loves to expose fake news and liberals. Be a part of the show. Call 210-308-8867. And now, El Conservador, George Rodriguez. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, George Rodriguez, my friends, in San Antonio, El Conservador, talking to you. Welcome to the show, my friends, on this Saturday, December the 2nd. We are getting ready for Christmas, so I hope you are too, my friends. So, uh, we've got a packed show today, my friends. We've got uh, four very, very good, interesting interviews, uh, guests, if you will. And um, first of all, I want to thank our our sponsor, uh, the Federation for American Immigration Reform, better known as FAIR. FAIR is the foremost organization uh, in the country uh, regarding legal immigration and a controlled border. If you want to know anything about what is happening regarding the border crisis, regarding illegal immigration, regarding what is going on in Washington, D.C., FAIR, fair fair.org is where you can find it. So, who are our guests? Let me tell you real quick. Uh, Our first guest is Mr. Ira Melman, who is with FAIR, and he's going to be chatting with us about what uh, uh, deals were done with regards to keeping the the government open and uh, funding the border because uh, they are funding everything, including the kitchen sink in Washington, D.C., but they don't seem to be funding protection, uh, border security. That's what they don't seem to be doing. So Ira's going to be chatting with us about that. Our next guest is Sheriff Brad Coe from Kenny County. Sheriff Sheriff Coe is going to be talking to us about giving us an update about what is going on in his county with illegal immigration, with the surge, that's gotten even worse, and we didn't know that we didn't think it could, but it has. He's also going to be chatting, my friends, about the possible, the possible implications of the new law that was passed by the state regarding uh, local uh, local law enforcement being able to arrest illegal aliens. He's going to be chatting with us about that. Um, then we've got Mr. Taylor Kramer. Taylor Kramer is a reporter and blogger uh, who reports from the border down in the Brownsville area. He's going to be talking to us, my friends, about a train, a very, very disturbing report on a train that is heading in our direction full of illegal aliens. In fact, it's several trains. And, uh, you know, what they're going to, what, I mean, what's going to happen when they get to the border? I mean, it's, it, it, everybody's just coming across. I mean, in the hundreds, you know, at this point in the millions, okay, they are coming across the border. So Taylor's going to be chatting to, chatting about that. Our final guest is Mr. Randy Clark. Randy is a good friend. Uh, he is a Breitbart reporter in the Eagle Pass del Rio area. Randy is also a former Border Patrol agent. So he is going to be giving us perspective of what is happening internally with the Border Patrol agents, who by some people are being absolutely vilified, which I think is stupid. Uh, some people are vilifying the agents themselves uh, for the border crisis. And uh, to me, that's like vilifying the Vietnam veterans for the Vietnam War. No, wrong tactic, wrong target. So he's going to be chatting with us about what is happening at the border right now, particularly, my friends, with uh, the uh, surge of illegal immigrants and and how the Border Patrol agents are handling things. So uh, you're going to want to definitely hear about that. So we want to welcome everyone, my friends. Thank you very much for joining us. Call your friends. Tell them to join us. Uh, tell, uh, we also want to thank, of course, our uh, sponsor once again, 
FAIR, the Federation for American Immigration Reform. Uh, Folks, welcome to the show. Sit back, enjoy it, and uh, we will post it as usual so that you can uh, share it, so you can listen to it at at your leisure. We will post it on social media. So welcome to the show, my friends. Let's go to our first guest. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. And uh, we've got our good friend, Mr. Ira Melman, from uh, the Federation for American Immigration Reform, our sponsor, FAIR. And uh, I wanted to get him on because uh, we just recently averted the uh, a shutdown of the government and a budget was pushed forward. However, I wanted to ask Ira, did we get anything for the border? I know that there was money for Ukraine, or that was a big uh, 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 part of the budget. But how about something for the border? Ira, thank you for taking time to be with us. Welcome to the show. Thanks very much. Tell us, what happened? What uh, is there anything in there for the, for the border? And if, and if there is, is it to stop the, uh, the illegal tsunami? Well, there had been talk of including language in the uh, funding bill, in the continuing resolution, uh, that would secure the border uh, and the asylum abuse, curb the president's uh, authority that he has been abusing to allow people into the country under parole. Uh, all those things got pushed aside. You know, the, it was originally enacted at the end of September, the end of the fiscal year. It ran through November 17th. During a, a large chunk of that time, the House of Representatives was basically out of commission because they didn't have a speaker. And so we found ourselves in a last-minute situation where they had to pass some kind of funding bill. Uh, it, and it, it, basically, they blew the opportunity. They blew the opportunity to include strong language in there. You don't often get a second chance in life, but they are actually getting a second chance right now. You mentioned the funding for Ukraine. Uh, the president is asking for more than $100 billion uh, to assist not just Ukraine, but Israel, uh, and to offer Taiwan uh, an opportunity to strengthen its defenses against possible Chinese aggression. Uh, this is the opportunity right now. Uh, Chuck Schumer has said he is going to be working these senators day and night and weekends between now and Christmas uh, to try to get this funding package done. Uh, the Republicans have said... If you're going to do that, if you want our votes, we need to include strong uh, language in that bill that says we are going to secure our border, we're going to end asylum abuse, or we're going to prevent the president from abusing his parole authority. That's coming down the pike in just the next few weeks. Christmas is less than a month away. Uh, they've got to get this done. So that this is an opportunity to do uh, what they didn't get to do with the second continuing resolution. And they can't squander this opportunity. This is this may be the last shot at it. Uh, it is more vital than ever as we're facing serious threats of terrorism. The, the director of the FBI is saying that, that it has reached a whole new level uh, of threat to the United States, and yet our borders remain wide open. This is their opportunity to get something done, uh, and they better show us that they can do it. You know, we, the insanity uh, over these protests, uh, these pro-terrorist protests that we are seeing, um, we, you know, how many people have been caught at the border who were on the terrorist watch list, how many have gotten in, and uh, we still have these individuals uh, supporting a terrorist organization. I just, I mean, will there be any effort ever, do you think, to deport or at least arrest these people? Well, look, at first they have to find them. They have allowed, we've had 1.7 million people enter the country that we know about that were never apprehended by the Border Patrol just since President Biden took office. Uh, You know, we can assume that some of these people might pose, do, do pose a danger to the United States. You know, they are, most of the people who are coming across want to get apprehended because they enter a bogus asylum claim, they're released into the United States uh, and given work authorization. The people who tend to avoid capture are the ones who have good reason not to want to present themselves to our immigration authorities. That's what we should be worried about. Uh, we also have, you know, the, the, our, the terrorist and the prime sponsor of the terrorist, the Iranian government. I Khamenei has said, uh, you know, that 
the West, including the United States, are in the crosshairs. That, that we, you know, we all could be subject uh, to the kind of terrorist acts that we saw play out in Israel uh, two months ago. So, you know, we have every reason to be concerned. Our national security experts are telling us we have every reason to be concerned. You know, this isn't politics anymore. This is vital to the security of the United States, and it needs to get done, and it needs to get done now. And the next few weeks are that opportunity. And, and uh, you know, two other items that uh, that pl- come into play in this is, first of all, uh, it, the, uh, the defund the police movement, which is now uh, added to it that they can't racially profile, particularly in, uh, in, in, in certain communities uh, like in Detroit, where you have a lot of uh, Muslim uh, folks. Uh, here in Texas, uh, there are communities like San Antonio that uh, uh, have uh, all of a sudden started uh, pushing the police not to do racial profiling. I mean, you know, these folks could, uh, these terrorists could, could hide in plain sight and no one is able to do anything about it. That's right. Uh, you know, terrorists the terrorists can easily hide in a country where we're 330 million people. Uh, we've got sanctuary jurisdictions all across the United States that protect people who are in the country illegally. We saw how easy it was for the people who perpetrated 9-11 uh, to come, live here, take uh, flying lessons, do everything that they needed uh, in order to plan and execute that attack that killed some 3,000 Americans. You know, our our enemies are not stupid. They understand what our vulnerabilities are. They understand what the vulnerabilities are at the federal level, an administration that refuses to enforce our laws and secure our borders, Uh, the vulnerabilities at the state and local level where you have jurisdictions that refuse to cooperate in any way uh, to identify and remove people who are in the country illegally. These are the sorts of things that they're going to take advantage of. Uh, you know, we we all hope and pray that it, it never happens. But we, we've been told by our enemies uh, that they are thinking about this. They're thinking about it very seriously, and we should take them seriously. They're not bluffing. They mean it. Yep. I mean, you know, it, it's like... It's like we're just waiting for them to, to take action before we take action, for crying out loud. We can't be proactive. Yeah, uh, we, we, we don't want to be dealing with, you know, what went wrong after the fact. You know, Israel's going to have a reckoning. They're going to, you know, once this is all over, they're going to have to sit down and figure out what went wrong, why it went wrong, and who is to blame. Let's avoid that in the first place. Yeah. Let's be proactive and stop anything from happening in the first place. And as I said, there is an opportunity with this foreign aid package that President Biden desperately wants. Uh, he is going to have to accept that there are provisions in there that will secure our borders. Even many of the Democrats in the Senate have come to sort of accept the fact they may not be thrilled about it, uh, but they have come to accept the fact that this is going to be uh, a package that they're going to have to swallow. So. Let's get this done. We need every member of Congress ought to be stepping up and saying, yeah, this is the opportunity to do this because the cost of not doing it could be just horrendous. Uh, bottom line, you think that there is a silver lining uh, in Congress to do something about about the borders at this point? Well, I wouldn't call it a silver lining, but, you know, it is a flashing red light with sirens telling <laughs> us, hey, you know, we better do something about it. You know, whether we, you know, that they don't like it, many of them, but they may just have to accept it. And by the way, you know, what is being negotiated now, they've even said that you know, Senator Chris Murphy from Connecticut tried to attach a Dream Act amnesty to this. And the Republicans for once stood firm and said, no, we're not going to allow that. You know, obviously now a lot can happen between now and the end of the year, but they need to stand firm and Democrats need to join them in making sure that it is just a clean uh, provision that says we're going to end the abuse at the border. We're going to end the abuse of our asylum system uh, and protect the people of the United States. Uh, You got it. We can just hope and pray that 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 happens. Ira, thank you very much for taking time to be with us as usual. Tell the folks where they can um, uh, follow uh, FAIR and where they can, uh, how they can uh, support FAIR. 
The best way is to go to the website, which is fairus.org. That's F-A-I-R-U-S dot O-R-G, fairus dot org. All the information is on there. And as I said, these next few weeks are going to be absolutely critical. Uh, members of Congress are going to need to hear the voices of the people they represent. And this is a good opportunity to, to get their attention. You got it. Thank you very much. Once again, my friends, we've been speaking with our good friend, Mr. Ira Melman from the Federation for American Immigration Reform, FAIR in Washington, D.C. And Ira, take care, and we'll be back in touch and follow up on some more of what is going on. Thanks. Look forward to it. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. The, and we've got our good friend, uh, Sheriff Brad Coe from Kenny County, which is uh, uh, just west of us here on the border. And uh, they've been, uh, Kenny County, my friends, has been at the forefront of bringing attention to what is happening at the border way, way before it started hitting the, the big news. And uh, I wanted to get him on because um, while the cities of New York and uh, Chicago and everybody else are screaming and yelling and starting to notice uh, the impact of illegal immigration on them, uh, Kenny County's been wrestling with it for a long time. And from what I understand, it's gotten worse. The traffic has gotten worse. Sheriff Cole, thank you very much for taking time to be with us. Welcome to the show. Well, George, appreciate you having me on. Hope everything's going well for you. Oh, yes. Yes. We just want to know what's going on at the border. Give us an update. What's the traffic like? And uh, what are you seeing as far as uh, as far as the car chases? Because the car chases, the vehicle chases are being highly criticized by um, uh, a group, uh, a liberal group who's saying that uh, enforcing the law is uh, creating danger for uh, for folks. I mean, yes, it is creating a danger, but it's not us that's causing the danger. It's the criminal because they have the choice. They can either pull over and we'll get things resolved or they want to run and, and uh, face more serious charges when, when things go wrong for them. We had one actually yesterday morning, about 730. Uh, he was coming into town. We had the spikes out. He went around the spikes, ran around me and continued south on another road. And as we're trying to get him boxed in and get him because... He ended up having four in the vehicle with him. We're trying to get him boxed in and get him shut down before he hurts somebody. But at the last minute, he makes a hard right turn, catches the front bumper of my truck, and rips the grill guard completely off my truck. Wow. And we caught him another three-quarters of a mile down the road. But that's the extreme they're going to to keep from getting caught. They're endangering everybody's life. It's not us. It's the guy that's behind the wheel of that vehicle. Even if we were to, even if we back off, and we've seen this before, if we terminate the pursuit, they don't automatically slow back down to highway speed. They can, they continue on for, you know, at 100 miles an hour until they feel safe. And there's a lot of times that we come up on them 20, 30, 40 minutes later in an accident. So it's not us that's causing accident. It's the ones that want to get away. Well, and, you know, it's typical of the liberal mentality because in many places, including here in San Antonio, um, the uh, a, a car chase uh, by uh, law enforcement is prohibited, and uh, yeah. you know because they don't want to um, they don't want to endanger the the public. Well, you know, um, never mind that the criminal is endangering us. <laughs> uh, it, it it really makes no sense. What about uh, the traffic in general? Because we keep hearing about how uh, so many people are now uh, hordes of them are crossing now. Uh, at, at Del Rio and Eagle Pass and over in uh, Tucson area. But Del Rio, for our area, Del Rio and Eagle Pass are still the hot spots. I had uh, some elected officials from Comal County come down the other day and we went, showed them Eagle Pass. They'd heard about it, they'd seen it on TV, but they'd never seen it in person. And they got a very uh, eye-opening experience down there. Uh, there were probably 200 waiting to be picked up by Border Patrol. But the whole time we were down there, was a couple of hours, you know, groups of 10, 15 just kept walking into that little encampment there to to be shuttled to the border patrol station. Uh, we can see them on the other side. We can see them on this side, on the other side of the barbed wire. Uh, men, women, children. It was cool that day. Uh, we stopped and talked, talked to one female. She had her two kids. Uh, she was from Venezuela. It took her three and a half months to get here. So the first thing I thought of, what have these kids seen making this trek all the way from from uh, uh, Venezuela with their mother? Yeah. And so it just continues. But... Uh, I had actually I had a group uh, 
state representatives from Oklahoma fly in. We met. We went down to Eagle Pass. They saw the same thing. But all the way back to the airport in Del Rio, uh, we saw DPS on the side of the road. He had a group of 50-plus that had really? just crossed, <laughs> waiting, <laughs> waiting for transport. Jeez. And as we're talking to him, he said, if you look about a quarter mile that way, there's a red flash. And I think it was that's my partner over there with another 50 or 60. So, yes, the traffic is picking up. The smuggling it hasn't slowed down. Uh, every night we're catching, uh, right now we're catching uh, two or three loads per day. Uh, we've already had two today. Went in with the car catching on fire. And this last one that I was just coming back from, uh, my deputy, one of my deputies was trying to tackle a guy, and my deputy ended up breaking his arm when he slipped and fell. So I've got, I'm down a deputy because of all this. My gosh. Two, so injuries, injuries are happening to uh, law enforcement, correct? Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. And and one of the things that, you know, because in the olden days, when I was uh, in immigration and naturalization service, way back in the Reagan days, um, you know, I remember we would go out with the Border Patrol and people would run away and hide. But this is not the case anymore. I mean, they're walking up and, you know, introducing themselves as well as resisting, correct? Oh, definitely. Uh, like, for example, last night... Uh, we went to Del Rio to eat dinner, and every place we went, there were groups of 5, 10, 15 knocking. You can't even fill up your car. They're knocking on the window, asking for money, asking for food. Uh, they've run out of space. They've run out of bus tickets. So they're just kicking them loose on the street. Wow. And there's probably two or 300 walking the streets in Del Rio, probably three or 400 in Eagle Pass, because the bus lines, whatever the case may be, they're just cutting these people loose with no food, no clothes, no water, nothing. And so now it's a burden on the city. And what is humanitarian about that? I mean, we t- we we keep hearing about humanitarian assistance. I'm not sure what humanitarian. What is humanitarian about that? No, there's there's nothing humanitarian about that. Uh, especially when you've got them dying out in the brush every day. There's nothing humanitarian there. Uh, it's just the, the liberals want to say, "Oh, we're helping these poor people, this, that, and other." But at the same time, they're robbing us to help support them. So there's no humanitarian on either side of the of that aisle. Yeah. Now you used to be a uh, border patrol uh, agent at one point uh, yes, earlier in your career, and um, uh, we have heard that uh, there's practically a gag order on uh, the border patrol as to what they can post, what they can say. I mean, they've had to be careful anyway because they are federal agents on what they say. But uh, now they're completely, you know, told that they can't say anything. What's that all about? Well, of course, it's part of this administration. I've even talked to some of the guys that I've known for, for a number of years, and their official response is, well, we have a... Uh, a response on our website, you'll have to go together and get, get the, the legitimate response of what's going on. So they're not even allowed to talk to me on a one-on-one basis. Wow. So even talking so, even talking to law, fellow law enforcement is, yeah. is uh, oh, geez, that, that's incredible. Now, um, the, uh, the, the people that are crossing, um, uh, you've got the ones that are introducing themselves, yes, that's one group. What about the ones that are trying to sneak across, the ones that are trying to be gotaways? Um, has that traffic increased as well? That traffic has stayed pretty consistent all year, except for, uh, I'd say, the tail end of August, July, August time frame. We had that uh, severe heat wave. Temperatures yeah. were up to 115, 118 degrees. We saw the, the foot traffic, as they call it, slow down considerably. But now that things have cooled off, I'm seeing you know, 40, 50, 60 on camera every night. Wow. Wow. Now, we, um, uh, the, we're waiting on the, on the uh, governor to sign this new law that's become very, very controversial, where local law enforcement will be allowed to arrest uh, and maybe uh, uh, and escort, uh, I won't say the word deport, but escort illegal aliens to the bridge and send them back across. Um, that law has not been signed yet, but do you think that that will have any kind of impact and how would you handle it in your in your community? Uh, I think there will be an impact. I'm just not exactly sure what kind of impact. I know it'll be challenged. The first one that that in, that enforces that law, I'm sure that that will be challenged all the way to the Supreme Court. But we have I've got to take a closer look at it and see exactly what it entails because the way I'm interpreting it, reading it, is if we 
or all just use like this, this smuggling whatever we just had. Border Patrol shows up on scene. Yes, we declared all, all 15 of them are here in the United States illegally. We bring them in, we process them, we would charge them with being in the United States illegally. They go off to uh, the Bristol unit wherever they're going to be, be housed. And then it'll be up to the magistrate or to the judge to decide whether he's going to break, cut a deal with them on the fact that, hey, if you return to your country and don't come back, we're going to let you go or send you back to Mexico or wherever. But if you come back, it makes a second-degree felony or third-degree felony. I'm not really sure, but it's going to be a felony of some sort. So there's a lot of logistics we've got to work out before this thing, even after it's signed, I think it'll take 90 days before it's enacted. So we've got 90 days or so to try to figure out the logistics on how all this is going to work, if it's going to be feasible, cost-effective, et cetera. Wow. Sheriff, thank you very much for taking time to be with us. Anything else that you'd like to add before we let you go, buddy? Um, no, uh, you, you mentioned Arizona. Uh, I was talking to some people out there the other day, and they're averaging just in the Tucson area anywhere between 2,500 and 2,900 per day. Wow. <laughs> Jeez. So, yeah, and they're, and they're seeing what we used to call the exotics. They're seeing the, the Middle Easterners. They're seeing the, the Chinese. They're seeing the Ukrainians, the Russians, etc. Yep. Are you guys seeing that any, any like that uh, through the Godaways? Uh, no, predominantly we're seeing everything from uh, Mexico and northern Central America. Gotcha. My friend, once again, thank you very, very much for taking time to be with us, folks. We've been speaking with our good friend, Sheriff Brad Coe from Kenny County. And uh, stay safe, Sheriff. We'll come down there and visit you before the holidays are over. All right. Well, come on down. You're welcome. Anytime. You got, anytime, brother. You got it. My friends, once again, George Rodriguez and Conservador talking to you from San Antonio. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. And uh, we've got our good friend, Mr. Taylor Kramer, with uh, Rio Grande Valley Truth. And I wanted to get him on because he is uh, reporting on this train of uh, illegals that's moving towards uh, our uh, border, towards the border. And uh, there had uh, this has been going on for in the past. Uh, but it had been interrupted, and uh, it had kind of slowed down as far as people jumping on the train. But now it seems like um, there's more. There's thousands of them that, that are coming in our direction, and um, they're coming at a time when it doesn't seem like they're no, nothing is stopping them at the border. So, Taylor, thank you for taking time to be with us. Absolutely, thank you for having me. Uh, all right, so tell us what have you seen? What are you reporting, buddy? Well, I would say this latest story really starts in um, Guatemala. Um, I linked up with uh, excellent guys over at Muckraker, um, the Rubin brothers. Uh, they've been doing really great work. They just, uh, on, on their latest trip, they had just gone all the way through Panama, through the Darien Gap. Uh, we met in Guatemala City and decided from there to basically tour all of Mexico together and check out a couple of different things. So we um, were illegally smuggled by traffickers um, through the Guatemala-Mexican border just to see what that was like. Pretty interesting uh, time there. Um, didn't get a lot of video footage because we were trying to make sure we kept all our equipment. It was, you know, being the only Americans pretty much ever being smuggled through that point, you kind of stick out. But from there, um, we went through Tapachula. Uh, we found a big uh, caravan. Um, which is really interesting. So that was run by Irenjo Muha, and he's a dual citizen. So he is, he, once migrants get to, uh, the migrant caravans get to Mexico, um, he will basically take lead of them and get them to protest or do whatever to now, get. He, he's a dual citizen of, of which countries? Oh, I'm sorry. He's a dual citizen of the United States and Mexico. He actually lives in Arizona, and he's been investigated by the Mexican government and the American government for taking money to move these caravans north. Wow. So he is a, he is a human smuggler for profit then, huh? Absolutely. Just like you're seeing with the NGOs and everything else. He's one of them. So um, when we got to this caravan, they shut down a highway um, just with, you know, and this is all part of weaponized migration with, with a, a large amount of people. doesn't matter if these people are nice individually with these, you know, large, large amount of people. You can 
block highways and and use that as a bargaining chip to get 30-day travel visas or what they were they're getting so bold this time they were asking the mexican government for buses they want buses so they don't have to walk another mile so the you know you give a mouse a cookie and, and here we are years later um they're just asking for more and more and more and it's been normalized to the point where they don't even see this as illegal travel Wow. Now, this uh, situation, again, people reaching Tapachula, Mexico, that border with Guatemala, how do they do that? And are they organized in any form at that point? I'll tell you, it's the most organized thing I've seen. So we took a bus from Guatemala City to the crossing point right there by Tapachula in Guatemala. As soon as we get off the bus, we weren't really ready. We wanted to kind of set up our cameras a little differently, you know, see what we could do for this uh this border crossing as soon as we get off at that bus stop it is as bustling as you've ever seen it it's like you know downtown new york city or something and there's people everywhere guys are coming up to us going you ready to cross you ready to cross and i'm going how did they know well the reason they know is because that's the only thing that happens in that town there was men on roofs looking around they had um uh mrna injection sites right there they had uh ngos where you know we're putting needles and arms right there. They also had International Office of Migration, which uh, is a United let me, Nations. Let me stop you. Explain what what, uh, what what do you mean that they had needles and injections? What is that? They had, well, they, they were giving people COVID vaccines oh, right there. Gotcha. Um, so they had injection sites. I mean, everywhere we went in Mexico, we're seeing it um, through, and, and Guatemala, you're seeing it in Walmarts everywhere. They're really ramping it up down there. But anywhere they can get these illegal aliens that they're crossing to, you know, take a vaccine, they will. Um, so we saw basically lookouts on roofs when they had these little uh, pedicab guys asking, hey, you ready to cross the river? You ready? So, yeah, we, uh, we got a ride with them. Uh, costs us almost nothing. We get to the river. There's a guy with a fanny pack and big gold chains going, oh, you're Americans. We're going to set you up. We're going to get you across the river. It's going to be great. Uh, I think they charged us $25 a person, and he had change, and he asked if we wanted Guatemalan change, American change, or Mexican pesos. So it's it's a very organized uh, situation down there. Uh, we crossed the river on a raft made out of inner tubes and two-by-fours, and, um, I mean, there must have been, I don't know, 20, 30 rafts going back and forth. Very, very busy. We get to the other side. Um, from there, they charge us more to take us with uh with taxis into town um we had to i had uh, an african man sitting on my lap we all had to pile into a cab probably put about seven of us in this little tiny cab and uh got dumped out right there in main street in tapachula and you know it, it made me think how is this much different from what's happening in the united states instead of a taxi driver it's border patrol doing this that's incredible. So these people, I mean, for all uh, practical purposes, what is happening is like a conveyor belt that's going on in them. Uh, that's a great way to put it. Yes, very much so. And um, uh, the, the, you said that the cartels snuck you across into Guatemala. Was that uh, was yes, that the, the traffickers? Yes. Yeah. Was that dangerous to you? I mean, what? oh, yes. <laughs> well, being the only Americans there, knowing that Americans don't need to be, uh, you know, smuggled in, um, you know, we kind of uh, just kind of kept quiet, kept to ourselves. And well, they, it's a business. So they took our money. They even gave us change. Um, we were actually in a holding facility, like a little kind of chicken coop area with a bunch of uh, men from Africa and it was, I mean, it was almost something out of a movie. They kind of look at us, whisper and one comes over and goes, what are you guys doing here? We think you're journalists. We don't like journalists. So it was, uh, yeah, there was a bit of tension in the air. We had a lot of uh, equipment on us. More than anything, that's what we were worried about, you know, all our cameras and everything, making right. sure we got well, that how, through. How could you deny that you were not general journalists? Uh, we just said we were a couple of friends backpacking. Oh. So, yeah. Wow. I mean, that, that's got to be that's got to be crazy. All right. So this train that's coming north is there are there charging for it or what, what's what's the story on that? OK, so, you know, uh, for a very long time and you can follow these guys on uh, Facebook, uh, the biggest NGO would be Amigos del Train out of Irapuato, if I'm saying that right. Uh, Mexico. Irapuato. Irapuato. Yeah. So Irapuato, Mexico. Um. They're probably the biggest. They probably do the most as far as handing out food and, and medical supplies and everything else. There is a million 
little NGOs and nonprofits along the way from Aguas Caliente, that's uh, La Station. And uh, you can just go on Facebook and type in Train, T R E N, and you'll see them all. They do live streams almost every day. So I've been tracking these guys for a long time, and it's something I've wanted to do to expose for quite some time. Put out posts about it before, but nothing seemed to really hit. So going there really seemed to make the difference and open people's eyes. Wow. And and this train will eventually end up where? Okay, so um, as to answer your last question, they're not paying for it. So basically they camp out under all the um, illegal aliens are going to camp out under a bridge right next to the Amigos del Train, uh, uh, you know, right where they they have their NGO set up. And from there, they will hop a train sometimes right there in front of the NGO. We had to walk about a mile down the track to another train. We were following the Venezuelans who've been doing this for months. So, you know, they knew what to do. Um, as we were getting ready to cross the tracks to board the train, we saw a couple of uniform security, but then after the uniform security, we saw a man in all black with a shotgun, bandolier, and a machete like a samurai sword in his back. And we're thinking he wasn't, you know, regular security. He was somebody else. But he was radioing in, uh, telling us when to cross the tracks. As we crossed the tracks, all the engineers saw us. They were changing, you know, doing a shift change, getting their lunch boxes, and talking to the new engineers coming on the train. And they just, like, ignored us like they didn't see us at all. And uh, so this train is going to end up, they have, and that NGO, Amigos del Train, hands out maps, and they will tell you exactly how to get to anywhere from Laredo, Eagle Pass, McAllen, Brownsville. So um, I believe those trains, if you look at the map, will stop um, around Monterey. Yeah. Usually, if you're going to Brownsville or the McAllen area, and they have different stops. So from there, they're going to have to walk a bit. The trains don't always lead them right to the border. Some of them do. Um, and again, it's it's one of those things where it's very confusing unless you uh, unless you've you're with some of these Venezuelans or someone who's done it before. Wow. So once they reach our border, what do you think is going to happen? Well, so one interesting thing is we were in Mexico City waiting on a bus, and I saw just a million tents outside. It looked like downtown Los Angeles. So we went and we uh, asked these people, who are you? What are you guys doing here? And they were Venezuelans, and they were very nice. They wanted to be on camera. They wanted to talk to the camera. They even wanted to know, hey, what's your channel? I want to show this to my family. So they're they're not bashful about this at all. But So really the thing that we're realizing is the CBP-1 app, is is really leading a lot of this. Um, I've been seeing a lot of reports lately about, especially in Eagle Pass, that the government is giving them, the American government is giving them GPS coordinates of where to cross. And that's where to cross illegally, not through a port of entry. Wow. So um, in Mexico City... Our, our own them, government is helping them. Oh, absolutely. Mayorkas and DHS are, are absolutely have a hand in this. I mean, it is the CBP-1 app. Um, so if you are in Mexico City or North, the CBP-1 app, you know, tracks you, your GPS location. If you make it to Mexico City or north of there, you have to wait somewhere in between uh, two to six months and then you can cross. Um, they try to get large groups together. We talked to one group in Mexico City. They said they needed 5,000 people in order to cross. 5,000 people just crossed, I believe, in Arizona the other day. So it seems like they want, for whatever reason, that number of people to cross at a time. And when, you, when we're speaking that they, they is the federal government, our, our federal government? Yes, our federal government. That's what it seems to be uh, through the CBP-1 app. Gotcha. So they're waiting. They're asking for at least 5,000. Wow. Incredible. Um, buddy, we're going to have to let you go, but um, uh, this is fascinating. We've got to get you back on again next week, maybe, and, uh, and, and get you to tell us a little bit more. Fill us in on what is happening during the during the uh, the holiday season because it doesn't seem to be t stopping at all. It seems to be just ex escalating. Oh yeah, well they know it. They know that uh, a lot of people have off, including Border Patrol and Customs. Yeah. So they're going to exploit that. They're going to really take care of that. Tell people where they can follow you. Uh, you can follow me mainly on Facebook, Twitter, and Rumble. That's RGV Truth, RGV Truth One on Twitter. You got it, buddy. Once again, we've been speaking with our good friend Taylor Kramer with the Rio Grande Valley Truth. And uh, Taylor, be safe, for crying out loud. <laughs>
Yes, sir. You take care. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. And we've got our good friend, uh, Randy uh, Clark, with Breitbart. He is the reporter for Breitbart down in Eagle Pass, Del Rio area. Uh, Randy is also a former Border Patrol agent. And... Um, I wanted him to give us an update of what is happening at the border because we've heard so much lately, uh, the past 24 hours, about um, what is happening in Tucson and what is happening in Eagle Pass. Um, Randy, welcome to the show as usual. Thank you for taking time to be with us, buddy. Thank you, George. Thank you for having me. All right. So tell us what is going on. Give us the update of what is going on at the border. Well, we certainly aren't seeing any kind of seasonal slowdown. Uh, we haven't seen that in, in the last three years of, of this presidency. Uh, really, the hinges are just coming off right now. It's just more of the same, and it seems to be concentrated in two sectors. The two busiest are our Tucson sector in number one, the Del Rio area, which includes Eagle Pass. They're just slightly behind it. Uh, where it was normally busy a year and a half, two ago, and the RGV in the Rio Grande Valley, they've kind of slowed down. They're not getting the large migrant groups surrendering, <clears throat> hoping to get released into the United States. But that's no relief for America because it's just a shifting of, of where the large groups are coming across. And in Del Rio sector, even over the holidays, just in two days around Thanksgiving, there were close to 1,500 migrant apprehensions just in Eagle Pass alone. So that you're feeling in San Antonio, where your shelters are near the airport, the additional capacity that they've added, uh, that's filling everywhere. Yeah, we so have, none of the areas are altogether slow. Yeah, we have seen we have seen an increase of activity at the migrant center as well as at the airport, and uh, I mean crowds of people. I mean it's no longer just a few hanging around. I mean it's crowds. So uh, is there any? I mean, how are the border patrol agents handling this situation? Well, you know they're not doing very well, George. It's it's a situation that they have absolutely no control over. Uh, they're being guided by these outlandish policies, open border policies of the Biden administration. And they've been really relegated to doing nothing but processing and caring and feeding for, for migrants. Uh, there are no field patrols going on in Tucson. There are very few in Del Rio sector. And what that does is that just creates a national security risk because now we don't have any eyes and ears. It used to be the bad guys would have to do scouting and wonder, you know, if I cross now with this narcotics or if I cross now with this high-value terrorist target or whatever they might choose to move across the border, they had to worry somewhat because they didn't know if there was a border patrol agent hiding around the corner. They know there's no border patrol agent hiding around the corner. They also know that local and state law enforcement are tied up with this as well. So this really has no good light to it. There's no angle you can look at this and say, this is great. It's not even great for the migrants. We just saw New York Mayor Eric Adams say, you know, some people want to be homeless, so we, we're going to have to get used to migrants on the street because, you know, that's what they want. Well, we know that that's not true. You can interview migrants at the airport. None of them came to America to, be to sleep on the streets. <laughs> really? I mean, that's outrageous. And, and they're in... Yeah, there it's outrageous. It's just a, an, another piece of propaganda to to support open borders and for them to throw their hands in the air because they know this problem is way more than they can chew right now and it's getting very expensive. But we see migrants sleeping in in police precincts in Chicago and in Logan Airport in Boston. Uh the problem has gotten to the northern border from the southern border. So it's all over America. There just doesn't seem to be any relief in sight. The uh, also another situation that uh, came up yesterday on Monday, uh, the twenty seventh, uh, was that there was a group called Border Watch that had uh, made a report um, regarding the car chases, and they were recommending that uh, state law enforcement stop chasing uh, the the human smugglers and I guess the drug smugglers as well because they endanger the community. Um, your thoughts? <laughs> well, you know, we had a shift to, to that perspective years ago and, uh, you know, we see what happens now when law enforcement fails to act. 
some of these migrant smugglers, first of all, they're they're finding these tasks online. They're agreeing to go to a particular spot to pick up migrants. And they know they got to leave the border very quickly. So there have been some crashes that did not involve law enforcement at all because they were driving away from the border on these rural two-lane roads at 100 miles an hour or better. So they were killing themselves even when there was no law enforcement around. So the easiest thing to do is blame law enforcement. But if there is a precinct or if there's a jurisdiction that chooses not to enforce laws on the highway, you can bet they're going to see just an overwhelming increase of all the smuggling traffic from that region coming to one or two roadways or one or two jurisdictions. So we can't turn around and blame the law enforcement for the loss of life. We have to fight. We have to blame the, the true culprits. And the true culprits are the smugglers behind the wheel and the policies that this government uh, has right now that keeps the border open and is making this an industry that is just seeing millions of dollars go to migrant smuggling and narcotic smuggling every single year. Amen. Amen to that. Um, another question that has uh, come up is uh, this train that's moving north uh, with uh, hundreds of people, thousands of people. The um, uh, ports of entry, the most popular ports of entry uh, that we see, as you mentioned, uh, Tucson and uh, in, the tu- in the Tucson sector and over in, in the Del Rio Eagle Pass sector. Why are these sectors so popular? Well, so there's there's one train of thought from the intelligence folks that I've talked to when you look at Texas. And, and Texas, the Rio Grande Valley was popular, but we saw how tightly controlled the cartels uh, exerted their, their, you know, getting their piece of the pie from the migrants. Everybody has a bracelet. They use laptops in the plazas and in the, in the cities of Mexico. Uh, in Reynosa and Matamoros and you pay in advance to cross the river and they know if you have the bracelet you've paid. Piedras Negras doesn't see that because the, the cartel, there's not a lot of cartel violence and the, and these Venezuelans and Colombians and Cubans, they've already been extorted out of about every penny they had on them when they got to Tapachula so they're coming broke by the thousands and I've watched from the Mexico side where the cartels are not there to meet them, they're not there to dissuade them from crossing or try and hold them back because they don't have the capacity to house 2,400 people trying to cross the river in one group so a lot of it is the violence in Mexico that is present still in Matamoros and Reynosa is not in Piedra Negra. So it's a safer journey for them. But these these trains have been coming almost daily for decades, not in the number that they're coming right now. That's what we're seeing is a greater number from seven to 11,000 in September arriving daily. every day so they're going to keep coming because we have this policy that says if you come in and make even anything close to a claim of fear and in some cases they're not even being asked you're going to allow going to be allowed to to remain in the United States because the system is over capacity for removing people and there really isn't a will to do so in the first place Wow, incredible. So uh, this situation then with, um, you know, with everybody coming across right now, um, this, I mean, is there any, any, any light at the end of the tunnel or is this just a long tunnel that we're looking at right now until uh, the next elections? Well, that's my fear. Can we make it to the next election? Because we see how expensive this is for a city of New York that has 8 million residents. Correct. Uh, uh, we have Wall Street there. We have the banking industry there. And this mayor has said $12 billion through 2025, and it's going to destroy the city. And they've only received 100,000 migrants. That's roughly 20 to 30 days of entry in any one given month. And, and it's going to collapse New York. So what are the others? You know, we've seen since October almost 650,000 migrants cross the border illegally. And that doesn't include the November statistics out. Those are CBP statistics just for two and a half months. So what is that going to do to everybody else when we take in folks who, A, may be on the terror watch list, B, might have a criminal history, or C, are just economic migrants looking for the American dream who cannot self-sustain themselves? What is it going to do to, you know, populations in the rest of America? 
America. We're seeing all these sanctuary cities tap out that once welcomed them. It's not good for the migrants either because they're they're seeing the welcome ad get told and told pretty much, we can't help you anymore. There's no more room here. That's incredible. Well, you know, one more item that uh, I'd like to throw into the mix is the issue that um, uh, the health, the health of these people. I mean, it, it wasn't so long ago that people were being turned away uh, for for COVID reasons, at least a few of them were being turned away for COVID reasons. Are any of them being turned away for any kind? Are there are there is there any kind of check for any kind of of uh, communicable disease as these people are pouring across? Well, you know, that's a, a whole nother situation. There there are medical personnel in these processing facilities along the border. But then, you know, you know, I'm not a doctor, but they're incubation periods for diseases as well. They're not in custody very long. If they are sick or showing symptoms, they're going to be treated and they may be diagnosed. Uh, but also, there isn't enough time. Are they carrying TB that's inactive? Will it become active later on? I mean, they're in a population that, you know, has to travel on trains. Uh, they don't have good accommodations. The food isn't great. So they're at a risk of... of exhibiting some of these or picking up some of these diseases. We just don't know. We've seen a rise in TB in some communities. Uh, we, we certainly are seeing that in Coahuila. Mexico is dealing with that right now. We don't know exactly that that can be placed at the feet of the migrants, but we know from news reports in Mexico that they're seeing a resurgence of TB as well along the border. So uh, there isn't a, a wholehearted effort to do a whole lot of screening, whether it comes to criminal backgrounds, terroristic threats, or medical reasons because you can see that they are overwhelmed. Yeah. You know, when you were taking in 700 to 1,000 migrants in a single group, the best thing you can do is to process them as quickly as possible and to, to get them out the door. And we've seen that cycle just repeating on and on since this last administration took office. Wow. Incredible. Randy, thank you as usual for your update. We'll get you on again uh, another week or so and uh, tell us what else is going on. Alright George, thank you very much. You have a wonderful day. You too. We've been speaking with Mr. Randy Clark from Breitbart, reporter from Breitbart down in the Del Rio Eagle Pass area and uh, take care and we'll talk to you again soon buddy. Thank you George. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador talking to you from San Antonio. Once again, my friends, thank you very much for joining us. This is George Rodriguez, El Conservador. Thank you very much for uh, tuning in. We also want to thank our get our uh, sponsor, uh, Federation for American Immigration Reform, FAIR in Washington, D.C. And, of course, we want to thank our guests uh, tonight, uh, Mr. Ira Melman from FAIR, uh, Mr. Uh, or Sheriff, should I say, Sheriff Brad Coe from Kenny County, and... Uh, Taylor Kramer, reporter from the border, as well as uh, Randy Clark, uh, Breitbart reporter from the border. So we want to thank our guests and we want to thank you, of course, for joining us. Please uh, continue to to, uh, to join us and support FAIR. Go to the FAIR.org, uh, the Federation for American Re- uh, Immigration Reform. They support us. Please support them. Once again, George Rodriguez talking to you from San Antonio. Till next time. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.